now available from thebosley.net. Hi, this is Jenny Powell, Brazen, Conscious, and Contagious. Regular release date, Monday, February 25th, and every other Monday following that. I want to invite you to settle in. Available where major podcasts are found, including iTunes, as well as Stitcher and Spotify. Brazen, Conscious, and Contagious. With Jenny Powell. I feel that this is really important. From thebosley.net. Hey everybody, welcome to Kush and Kai. I'm Kai. I'm Kush. What's good, y'all? Oh, you know what's good? Legendary Italian film directors. Because what do we watch this week, Kush? I'm a I'm a I'm a have a problem Almost. pronouncing this word, Kai. That's what we I'm a cold, which is short for is a is a um a slang for I remember. Okay. Uh, uh so it's down to Amarcord. And this is uh, one of Fellini's most personal films, and it is uh, recollections and, and kind of embellishments on uh, memories of growing up in a seaside Italian town uh, in the 30s under uh, Italian fascism. Okay, so this uh, is after World War I, pre-World War II. Yes. So Mussolini's in full swing. The Italian fascist party is kind of wreaking havoc with the Italian national sentiment as we build towards World War II. But life, uh, as we see, still still uh, carries on with zest uh, with the Italians. Now, have you, uh, have you seen many or any uh, Fellini films before? I've seen zero Fellini films before this. I wanted to ask you up front, is this before or after Woody Allen? Who, who, <clears throat> who's first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, this is in 73. So Woody Allen had been working a good deal already and Woody's he's not seen, Woody Allen yet is he he's not Woody Allen yet and Woody Allen does credit uh Fellini as an influence and then as an inspiration okay. um there's a number of directors Stanley Kubrick uh mm. often cited uh Fellini references in interview or the few scant interviews that he gave mm. and then um Scorsese is uh says that he watches uh, eight and a half uh another Fellini film mm. every year uh which is a, a comedy uh, about some folks in Rome, and that one uh, Fellini won uh, best foreign film, and uh, the musical score was done by Nino Rota, who also did the score for Eight and a Half. Uh, Nino Rota, who did the musical score for Amacord, and then also for uh, the original Godfather movie. Hmm. <laughs> so so as, of- as we're watching this year in the life of this small Italian village, like uh, the whole time we're just going like. This is some Woody Allen movie I've seen before, and I haven't seen totally. Woody Allen movies before. But it's it's got the little little narrator. By the way, everything uh-huh. is in Italian, so it's it's bippity 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 bippity. <laughs> uh, but what he's saying is like, hey, check out my village. Hey, here here's the town whore. Look how riddled with syphilis she is. Isn't she crazy? Oh, hey, here here's this guy. He he's blah 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 blah. Bippity 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 bippity. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, at, especially like at the time, uh, that running narrator, that breaking the fourth wall in that way, mm-hmm. it was, yeah, it was still it, newish. He was a pioneer of it, especially in the terms, because uh, there were a few various narrators. It was mostly the lawyer with his bicycle, but there's a few people that popped in that just broke the wall and like would look at the camera or kind of like wink or even would have, or even sometimes um, would just give one line of, of, of sort of meta 
commentary and then would go back to interacting with whatever was going on in the scene. Um, uh, I think that was just the village idiot, right? Or the town liar or the town. There's a town liar. There's the lawyer. There's a woman who says one or two things. And then there's one other guy who had a big hat on, but um, it's mostly the lawyer on the bicycle. Uh, and they, as they go through the different seasons and this definitely lends itself to, uh, yeah, Fellini being fantastical or surrealist and, yeah, I mean, this one has probably some of the most whimsy and fantasy features of of many of his films. Like, the fantasy sequences that come up, like, some of the, my favorite were of the, the fat kid um, in the movie. Mm. When his, the, the, the girl of his affection who does not want anything to do with him, he's, they're, they're at a fascist rally, and there's a, there's a depiction of uh, Il Duque, uh, Mussolini, made up of red and white roses and the kid believes through his service to to the fascist le- their fascist leader that he can achieve marriage to this girl and the giant face of il duque made up of roses starts talking to him about how he must embrace fascism By but the way, it is that's a, a dope scene uh, that's a fantastic scene <laughs> off the top i'm not a big fan of this movie whatsoever but just the this, the thing of mussolini's head made out of all the carnations and it's talking like that's really fucking hard to do. Okay, so I I appreciated the hell out of that, and yeah, that's, that's yeah. One, one of a few things I like. I did have my I did have my concerns uh, that it, you, this would not strike you as a as a because there there's no there's no plot so to speak. It mm-hmm. is a very much a slice of life mm-hmm. uh, kind of a thing, and it's a life cycle of a town, mm-hmm. and then. Whimsy, I don't recall that you're an enormous, um, enormous Wes Anderson fan. <laughs> so, no, but, uh, Whimsy, not uh, high on your list. But at the same time, like, yeah, uh, he was a definitely, uh, yeah, a, a pioneer and revered in his time. And just, yeah, I, this to me, as an example of, of his... Uh, uh, th- this movie too, I believe, won uh, best fo- uh, foreign Oscar uh, in its year. Uh, I actually uh, have that thing here. Yeah, it was nominated for three. It was nominated for best director, best writing, and then it would win for best foreign language. Indeed. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry again. It, it it wasn't chosen specifically to be in your wheelhouse. But uh, another of this is a movie that my grandmother had on Betamax. Betamax. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I watched this on an ancient uh, big screen TV. You know the one, the giant ones with that had the little rotating mm-hmm. like tube in the back. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I remember seeing it probably when I was like six or so. This is a really and heavy movie for a six-year-old to watch. Probably. It is indeed. There are some scenes in here, and especially uh, one of the things that um, one of the things that gets levied against Woody Allen as well as Fellini is. Because it is a fantastical recollection of just his thoughts and memories, um, you know, adolescent male fantasy, especially for pubescent and, and for the sexual, mm-hmm. like it is framed in his just his memories and it plays out in ways that kind of service it or even, you know, he's denied in it in the same way. But Everyone in this town is a scoundrel and or a pervert hyper hypersexualized and if you did you know just just examining current so, social and and 
societal sexual taboos. It's like, oh God, we we crossed the line in, in many ways. Although you know, in Italy, they I'm, they they still have some sexist uh, sexist things to to be working on, on for themselves. But I I mean, I I see like you can't. Yeah, I get the I get the case where it's like, well, that's terrible. They shouldn't be doing that. But at the same time, we are basically, as Roger Ebert put it, it's like it is it is wonderful and dreamlike. Uh, Ebert loves this movie. <laughs> He, he was he was in on it mm-hmm. um but yeah as a as a painting of his own dream these these vignettes come together in such a way that he you just float from one place to another mm-hmm. so who was that director he did uh uh well, he died recently was it uh, was it memphis god he was one of our great american directors he died like 10 years ago but it's just just these scenes that nashville that's what it was um, they layer together these scenes that are like in the life cycle of a town, and we have these some of these interlocking characters, and it's just uh, yeah, we're just Robert Altman. That was the guy. He didn't. He did movies too, where that it just there's these layered pieces to it, and there may not necessarily be, you know, anyway. Uh, a cohesive direction. Uh, he does, Fellini does employ his episodic day-night cycle kind of scene grouping. Uh, he did that in a few other movies, including uh, La Dolce Vita, which is in seven parts. Oh my God. And they each sort of stand of their own kind of telling. So yeah, they, they sort of start in the morning and then end at night and they kind of move to the next one. But these take you through an entire year of this, uh, of this scene. Jeez, uh, we're already in, but yeah, just... Uh, I feel like we could start anywhere in this movie and it won't really affect any really any other story. Because again, like you said, this they're all vignettes. They all, look, I'm just going to shoot straight. They all go nowhere. Okay, it's just uh, like we said at the beginning, this is a year in the life of this town. So just like, this is a thing that happened. We start off with the, the, the puff balls are floating in the air. That's how we end it. That's how we know it's the year. Exactly. We- great, a great opening, closing of the book. That's a that's a solid filmmaker mm-hmm. you must include as as I speak. Let me just jump into my, one of my my favorite scene in the movie, which is the Italian dinner table. Oh, the uh, least favorite scene of mine, but yeah, roll with it. I I liked it just because of the politics that they layered in for a lot of the characters that crop up in other stories. But this semi main character Tita, um, was Tita the kid? He's the kid that is goes to the tobacconist later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, but he's there with his family and just there's a, like a, a slight scarcity of food making it sort of choppy and hand slappy. But the way the scene escalates to um, the father griping and then complaining that nobody's happy and then... <laughs> The bishop comes in and wants to see the dad, and then it's revealed. Uh, he comes, the dad comes back in and says, "So, Tita, where were you last night?" And Tita starts talking about um, an American movie he saw, where the cowboys are pushing across the river into Comanche territory, and they're all listening. And then Dad freaks out him on him and chases him away because he, he he he's the bishop has accused his son and his gang of peeing over the balcony, mm. and he makes his wife smell the hat. Which is soaked in urine. Uh, <laughs> Which he puts on his own head at one point. And then he bites because that's a that's like a trait. He bites that he bites hats, which is a thing. And then a great uh, a fan, like a fantastic thesis when the mom they have a quick 
not a, it's not a close-up. It's like a medium shot, but you can clearly see it where she's yelling that she's going insane. And she has the ability, Brad Pitt can do this too. He can move one eye independently of the other. <laughs> so you can see it turn in. She's yelling, it's crazy. And then she t- starts detailing the way she's going to kill everybody. At this point, Grandpa goes in the next room to just start farting against a chair. He's maybe the most civilized person in that room, by the way, because he does leave the room just to fart. He just, yeah, he squats and farts and squats. Oh, and he has a system, too. He's like, well, yeah, he turns to the left and turns to the right. Um, and then, so she's yelling, and then the dad comes back in. They chase Tita out, and then... He's saying, she's saying, she's going crazy. And then the dad, he takes the ultimate step. He's like, oh, yeah, I'll kill myself. So what does he try to do? He reaches both of his hands into his mouth. And it's as if he's trying to tear his jaw off. I have no idea what he was doing. Uh, and obviously this had, this must be every other dinner, I would imagine. Like this is every just, damn day. Uh, they, like, they are, it must be exhausting. Like the mom, I was exhausted. Yeah. It was exhausting. Yeah. And again, I, yeah, if we could just get Bobby Head to just watch this scene and tell, yeah, Italian dead. That's what we're after here. He's going to try and tear his own jaw off. That's how angry he is. Bobby would be like, yeah, that's my boy Vinny's parents. Yeah. They're, the, they're, they're twice removed from the old country. But they, it's, it's weird because, you know, they, they grew up in Queens. Like, what are you doing? They still act like these fresh off the boat Italians. Like, you got to watch out. They invite you over for pasta and then dad's yelling. The gun would come out. Yeah, I oh. never knew any huge families like this, but I knew plenty of families like this where the only way they communicate is yelling and mild violence uh, upon one oh. another. And it's just like, this is, I can't handle this. I, yeah. And at the same, Exhausting. same table, we're introduced to the mother's brother, the, the uh, Tita's uncle. That's who, the guy with the wave cap? Yeah, he's got the wave cap. What like, is that wow. all about? Because they never go into him. Like they never talk about him. But yeah, he is as if he's from Jersey. Like he's just sitting there. He's gonna head into the track. He's gonna go down to Aqueduct. But um, he and, and just the relationship where he goes like, oh man, he's you know if your dad found out and the uncle's not gonna tell because he's like fuck that guy. <laughs> but and then they're like, come on, come on, uncle, juggle. And so he juggles at the table while the dad's yelling out in the hall. Just those sub relationships I thought were. And then, yeah, I mean, I liked how that scene was constructed. It was very sweet, and I was into the... I'm into the schmaltz of the whimsy. The uncle ends up being a key figure in something that the father gets framed by the fascist police for. Oh, yeah. There's this thing where the parade's happening, but then someone has put a a phonograph at the Mm -hmm. top of the church bell. This... That scene, too, the symbolism there of how fragile the control their perceived control of the fascists are over anything i mean italy but the town at law as as standing in for that mm-hmm. it's just the, the this the song of rebellion is playing so the fascists are all screaming at people to get back inside they need to find the source of it and they all pull their guns and they're just shooting and it's lighting up the church it's ringing the church bell as if to just signal how just imp- like fragile their control is and then they all celebrate when they have shot one of them manages to hit the gramophone and it falls out of the bell tower and is destroyed but um and then the father gets arrested for this but they describe him as the uncle like you won't be wearing any of those neckerchiefs where you're going and he's like 
never worn a neckerchief in my life. What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, exactly. And they, the scene where they're like, drink a toast to Il Duque. And it's like, he, then the dad goes like, this is castor oil, which makes you shit. Hmm. And they force him to drink it. And while they're watching, like all the, the, yeah, the fascist commanders are just standing like foppishly, like fanning themselves with hats going like, why don't they understand? This is just a better way of living. <laughs> and you're like, you people are nuts. Um, that they are. That they are. Uh, yeah, there is a, a nympho slash prostitute, Volpina. Volpina, uh, the, the town whore. Yeah. and she, Is she a whore or is she just a freak? I think, yeah, I think she's, she seems a little unstable. So there's she's probably... absolutely unstable. She's got syphilis, dude. That's, that's her whole thing. That's... Absolutely. That, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a public health issue right there. And um, uh, funny to see how contracting syphilis is the same as being a junkie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh, I see a lot of see a lot of traits in this woman from this movie from the seventies based on something in the thirties that I can actually see on like Seventh Street today. Right, right. Um, yeah, I, I, it's just you can't quite tell she's unhinged, but definitely sexually activated. Like she cruises into a construction site where the dad Aurelio is actually the like the foreman mm-hmm. and is just is. You know, not directly soliciting or, or or trying to get anything to happen, but just her presence there makes it, he the the de- Aurelia's like just go home, get out of here. That is, you know, no, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> she's trouble. Um, and then uh, actually another thing in this movie that Volpina just before that scene she hikes up her skirt and just pees on the beach. Yeah, peeing. I don't know the you know that I'm I'm um my cupboard is bare for peeing symbolism or, or whatever, but there is so much peeing going on in this movie. So much piss. There's so much pee. Um, there, there's a scene in the beginning where we're meeting uh, uh, Tio. To the, we're meeting the boy and all of his delinquent friends, and they've set up an apparatus. Oh, this is the pee tube. <laughs> the pee tube that goes four rows deep. Rolled uh, paper. And, and they... they, they 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 make it look as though their friend who's doing the thing on the blackboard has pissed himself. However, yeah. this educated teacher does not recognize that his pants are bone dry still, and yet she chews him out and cusses him out and starts bapping him on the head and exactly exactly. I think your your uh, Italian is fantastic, by the way. Thank you. Well said. Yeah, and then um, God, my other one of my other favorite scenes that involves and the boys are. They're cruel to other people. They're cruel to each other. It's a mean they, town in general. They're all, yeah, Italian boy, just terrible. Um, there's, there's a scene where they're going to burn the witch, and there's a guy sitting on top of the <laughs> huge lighting. pile of, of kindling. He's setting up the, the, the fake witch for this ceremony, and someone's like, oh, hey, how are you going to get down without this ladder? And he's like, hey, give me the ladder. He's like, can't give me the ladder. Like, and the, the thing's lit up. Fire. The bonfire's going. Yeah. Uh, um, the people in this town suck. They yeah, the, the, they're, they're pretty mean to each other. But, I mean, they try and they invite each other to each other's weddings and they, they go view cruise ships together in the middle of the night. That shit drove me crazy. Like, I think that you know, drove me crazier than the, the, the circle jerk inside the car. I was about to say that... Uh, that was, I, I thought, just that was a funnily paced fu- scene. But I think it goes to, towards a larger point because a lot of this movie is about rebellion. Like a lot of his Fellini growing up in fascist 
Italy at that time. Like he just came to, he wasn't big into politics, but he did stand heartily against authoritarianism. And then from the church as well, he was not, he was not a huge fan, but them rebelling against the, the preacher in this way, where they all lie about how much they touch themselves. And then it's, Again, it's weird, not weird, I guess, but just that's all he's asking them about. It's just like, so you're touching yourself, right? And he just has them, he shakes them all down for stories. Almost all of them. One of them gets away, just like, yeah, 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 you're just, just, um, just Hail Mary. Say the Hail Mary, that, get out of here. That guy smirks at the camera as if to set up, like, I don't want to hear what crazy stuff. You just get out of here. <laughs> you yeah. get out of here. Um, but yeah, he's, yeah, during that confession scene, Tita sits down first. And then he starts to talk, and the and the father immediately interrupts him to correct somebody else arranging flowers. He interrupts the confession session. But one of the flashbacks that they have is the asses on bike scene to church bells, sort of just signifying the, you know, young male hormonal cycle that's going on, mm-hmm. and just the gawking that goes on. In fact, there's um, uh, a character, there's like the town butt, grandissima which everyone there's a scene just for her where she's walking down the street and just gathers a line of gawkers following her oh my gosh she's a stunner actually so i'll give her that Uh, what's her name again that's that's uh magali noel yes maggie Maggie christmas fantastic she's Um, a Turkish descent uh passed away finally in the late 90s in paris oh sad um but uh, fantastic job and gorgeous, well acted. And then, yeah, she suffers a ton of other sexist things and words and things thrown at her and she her mother. She's pretty cool about everything, though. I but I, that's where her power, I think, derives from: is that these 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 uh, boys cannot uh, cannot bring her down. She, she's well, neither can the men, apparently. <laughs> yeah, she's class. Yeah, the boys and the whatever it is, yeah, they can't they can't bring her down. There's a scene where Tita Tio. Mm-hmm. Tita. Tita. Tita, excuse me. He, he's talking about, like, he found her alone in the movie theater watching the Gary Cooper picture. And oh. first of all, if you've ever been in a movie theater alone, it don't matter how dark it is, you notice someone out of your peripheral vision entering the theater. Especially always. if it's just the one. <laughs> Especially if it's one person. And then you notice where he sits down, and then you will notice when he gets up and moves. And you will notice again when he gets up and moves. And you will notice again when he gets up and sits next to you. And next to you! On your fucking thigh. By the way, again, is... she's down with it. She's like, what are you going right. to do? And that's when he pusses out. And um, yeah, the, the whole scene is weird. She says, yeah, were you looking for something? And it is just, and he says he was crushed because he didn't know what to say, you know, what else to do. But again, yeah, I mean, the construction is like male fantastical recollection. And also his, in most of his, almost all of his movies, just this love of films and filmmaking where in essence she is cooing and lost in the movie that she's seeing. <laughs> so it blends this, this together of this male fantasy and then this desire of film to take over that fantastical part of your life where you were so engrossed that you didn't notice a young, a, a young man starting to, to grope you. <laughs> um, and then it's rumored, the town liar had rumored that she, uh, let's see, was presented to the prince and the, um, and the uh, I don't know if it was the mayor, but it was somebody prominent in the town saying, you have to do this. This is super important. Mention the docks here uh, because this could be super big for our town. 
and she goes up and yeah, they uh, um, has sex with the prince and the fascists sort of go into the next room and yeah, another representation of like, yeah, this, this, this love that they have of this, this one woman in town and then her, her desires are, or her, she is put in service to this larger authoritarian, you know, infection to the country. Well, I thought her whole motive was to get out of the town. Like she, she yeah, likes she, everyone I mean, she's was... around, but she wants a better life than this. And that's why like she, when, when we go out to sea and we're waiting for the goddamn carnival cruise ship to drive by, she she's making the most noise. She is ma- being the most animated. Like she wants to be on that boat and get away from this town full of perverts and gropers. True. Well, she, I mean, she, she also, she wants a family and she wants great things and to travel. And mm-hmm. yeah, she details that uh, in a scene, but then during the beginning of the parade, when it's Rome's birthday, mm-hmm. um, she, there was the, like the captain that comes by and she's, she yells something like, isn't he beautiful? I want to touch him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I think just like this, just like Fatty, who who was fantasizing that Il Duque will empower him to marry Aldina, his the, the apple of his eye. She sees this power as a way to 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 elevate herself as well. So there's a like a duality about those things. Um, oh, small small scene. The scene about the boats where they go out to that cruise ship was bizarre because oh. you know it was supposed to hail again like a great achievement of their empire that this ship is out there, but a very clever, subtle device. And then kind of, I guess, annoying now because it is like tongue-in-cheek meta. But when people start getting into the boats, there's literally folks, as we're kind of doing this tracking shot of people getting into the water and onto these ships and crafts, there's people that look at the camera, several that go, what's going on? What yes. could it be? Why are they into those boats? Yes, and they never answer the question ever. Like, as soon as you think you're going to get the answer, they move on. Like, where are we going? Like, why are you getting on the ship if you don't know? Why, why are you going out to sea? And then they're out there for hours. They're out there for hours. Just, people fall asleep. They're eating clams. <laughs> um, but they do, I mean, they do, they do kind of get to it. But, you know, it's a long, long time of just waiting. And, then, and they're, sort of, mm-hmm. they're just sort of there. Um, other than that, uh, Tio is uh, Aurelio's brother. And uh, he gets a scene. They, they, he lives in a sanitarium. And they announce... Tio's the uh, crazy uncle. Yeah. And then Tita, I think in narration, mentions that they visit him once a summer. So they take him out of the sanitarium, the crazy sanitarium, once a summer. And so they, they, we, we're kind of, we're like, we see that people are locked in and it's weird that it's once a year, but we're waiting like, well, what's he going to do? And so the first thing is they're riding in a carriage to the farm. And then he stopped that. He asks to stop so he can pee and he pees, but he forgets to, uh, unzip his fly, so he, he, he just sort of wets himself. Uh, he definitely wets himself. And definitely wets himself. Back in the tr- car, like nothing happened. Like, nothing happened, and then you know lunch goes fine, and he says he wants to take a nap. Uh, but then he immediately climbs a tree, refuses to giant. What was it? A fig tree? Did they say? Refuses to come down and starts yelling that he wants a woman. <laughs> by the way, this problem is easily rectified by the town whore. Yeah, However, this motherfucker been. will not come down from the tree. He's throwing rocks at people. It takes a very, very small French nun, a midget nun, if you will. Indeed. That's what they say. They're like, oh, a dwarf nun. I'm uh, actually mad we don't get more with the nun. That would have been good. Like a scene, like a ritual they have. That but they, be- like, they cover her face entirely. Like that act, 
actor actress does not want to be seen or is intentionally not seen it's it's it almost makes me wonder like well was this a child actually uh the actor but um again a lot lots of bizarre shit in this one here <laughs> yeah and uh we'll go to my favorite scene that sort of as we had talked about before i mean they the symbolism of of you know um uh, adolescent hormones raging and and interpreting all this this sexuality that again in Italy seems to be just like yeah go for it. Um, Tita, our, our semi main character, goes to see the tobacconist to procure a single cigarette, but it's closed. Uh, but he snakes under the the semi open like slide down door, and the uh, buxom, uh, big busty woman tobacconist is there, and he makes a comment about, oh, let me help you. And she goes, oh, I'm stronger than you. And he's boasting about how strong he is. And she says, oh, yeah. And so she slides the door all the way closed and says, do you think you could pick me up? And so then, I mean, it's a great, like, again, for total male fantasy about, like, edging the line of, like, what are we, is there purpose behind this sexuality? Or is it happenstance? Are you being taken by the moment? He picks her up, and, and she's bigger than he is, but he manages to pick her up, and then she's laughing, and he's, he sets her down, and then he does it again. She's, she's like, stop it, stop it, and laughing, and knocks her into a lamp, which starts swinging, and she... Doesn't phase her, by the way. She, doesn't phase her. She's laughing, and then he sort of collapses, like, oh, my gosh, and we see her silhouette kind of changing and growing on the wall as this... Again, this just desire that is there. And she looms towards him and then whips out a big flopper titty and just has it, just commands him to suck on it. And it is. And just, what does he do? He blows on it. And she keeps trying to correct him. So she pulls out the other one. He's like, do that one too. And he can't get it right. And then she kind of gets bored of it and kind of closes up shop and just says, here, have a cigarette on the house. And she I got to say, she is all business at that point. I respect her for that. Oh my gosh. She's all right, fine. You had, yeah, we had your time here. Let's go. And yeah, I would say uh, there are certain things in life. Sometimes you need cigarettes. <laughs> after that, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, uh, there it is. Uh, and then the next scene really takes us into the close of the movie, which is uh, a fog comes over the town and it's getting cold again. And Tita is very sick and his mom gives him soup and he's kind of like feverish and in and out. And then he asks her, like, what's the story of how you and dad fell in love? And she relates just a ho-hum tale. But it's just this, like, yeah, where, where did your life start and where did you go? And then, um, again, through the, through the fog, I don't know. I mean, it's, there is a death component because the grandpa says, like, did I die? Like, he can't find his house. It's so foggy. Uh, and he's like, this is death. I mean, there's no wine. There's no wine. This sucks. He only gets uh, about six feet from the house when he gets lost. It's, that's yeah. how thick the fog is to the point where he almost gets hit by a carriage and the guy goes, no, stupid, your house is literally right, right there. You. Right there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, through the fog, uh, the younger kid's going to school, uh, Tita's cousin, the uncle's kid, younger kid's going to school, and um, he there's a car that just like the lights light up, just like eyes, and then it kind of goes away. But then there's a, just he sees horns like this figure through the thing like a freaking devil but it's just a, a white bull is just sort of cruising around the field kind of roaming 
Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that's an ox. Uh, uh, same thing. <clears throat> Fascinating. Uh, today. There we go. And so it does indeed the, the, the parable of death where he is sick and then his mother cares for him. And then in the next day episode cycle, his mother is sick and they visit her um, in the hospital. Uh, and then this, uh, then, you know, a few scenes later, we, Tita wakes up to just mourners in the house and his, he's wild eyed and concerned and someone apologizes to him. And then he immediately knows what happened and he locks himself in the room and starts freaking out. Understand. Uh, bummer. Uh, and then at the funeral, his uh, uncle, her, her brother, uh, just faints and just like collapses. And yeah, then people in the town are doing the, 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 the cross. Uh, everyone is doing the cross. They pass by. Um, and then just, he couldn't, you know, can't he, because who he is, because he's quirky and tries to look funny, they show a quick scene of like the train gate coming back up and everyone had to wait for the funeral procession had to wait for a train to go by. <laughs> um, and then with the close is uh, Aurelio, her, his now widow, just uh, sit, widower sitting around the kitchen table, just in in a dark kitchen, just pushing crumbs around like the last, last evidence of her. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, Tita goes back to the seashore and the puffballs are back, which again signifies that winter is over. Um and yeah, we get there. And then Grandissima, the, the, the town butt, she, uh, she finds a mate and there's the wedding. <laughs> so that was the... Very few yeah. women at this wedding, by the way. True. And yeah, we didn't... And I, um, I, I didn't pick that up until we got to the whole, I got to throw the, the bouquet thing. You know, like they're, they're trying to coax her into the car. The husband's trying to like, come on, woman, come on. Get out of here. She's like, I got to throw the bouquet. And she throws it and there's no one there to receive it. Uh, finally, like five minutes later after the car is pulled away, a small child's like, I got it, yay! And <laughs> um, and that was uh, that was that. Well, so that was Omicorn. Um, so definitely some memorable things. Uh, yeah, Fellini, a muse to many great directors and influenced count countless folks. And again, in '73, was doing just different art housey, uh, clearly not plot driven stuff, but. Uh, made a stamp for himself and generally one of the uh, greatest Italian uh, filmmakers um, that, that, that we're, that, that we have. So now would you I, say this is your favorite Fellini movie? Uh, I like, do you have a favorite? Is a better question. Maybe I like eight and a half, a great deal. I've never seen La Strada and I would recommend people check out uh, La Dolce Vita, which was the first one I believe that he, or that was one of his great ones that he did receive a, um, uh, um, I think it was the first foreign language Oscar or foreign film Oscar for, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Cause they, and those are big. And then, uh, Satyricon was another, like an Epic movie that he did of a, of a Greek, Greek tragedy slash drama. thing. he has a huge body of work. It spans like four decades. Um, and yeah, I believe. And this is not hmm. the same guy who did life is beautiful. Right. No, it is not. Uh, it is not the same guy. I think it was Dolce Vita that broke um, that broke uh, sales records in Italy. Like it was a runaway hit, which kind of catapulted him to being doing whatever he wanted. Uh, Dolce I think it was Vita, 1960, according to IMDb. Here, there we go. And then I forget which one. Uh, which one won the Palme d'Or? Uh, but he also won that as well. It's just tons of awards uh, all over the place. Um, yeah, if you're 
if you're if anybody planning to do a deeper dive into Fellini and his work, and you're into the whimsy, um, plenty of plenty of great stuff out there that that I would recommend. But uh, yeah, what um, if if you were to recommend this to somebody, uh, what what grounds would you be would you be uh, or what context would you would you offer them? Oh, like hey, bro, you have that pee fetish, right? This is mo- this is the movie for you. Pow! That is excellent. That is an excellent way to go. Or do you like it? Like weird coming of age tales with with buxom uh, tobacconists. Well, who doesn't love a buxom tobacconist? I know. I yeah. It's it's a cliche for a reason. I, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't even put it there. But um, yeah, I definitely remember this from my childhood, and then it uh, I liked it more uh, coming back through this time. Uh, a lot for more for me here uh, was, now you said that you saw this on a beta uh originally now was but was this one of the videotapes on that infamous shelf with chitty chitty bang bang it was not no this isn't my grandmother's house she, okay. she this for us she had a few betas what else do i remember oh a, a movie another movie I, apparently she only owned movies that you would hate uh but paint your wagon the uh the clint eastwood <laughs> musical uh she she had on beta <laughs> and i think starman Ooh, Starman, great movie. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, you it's like that slow, one? No? It's slow and dry, but it's yeah, it's a great John Carpenter drama. Oh, perfect. Okay, well, that that one, and then uh, a Wrinkle in Time with uh, Christopher Reeve. Oh, I don't know anything about that. Uh, oh, he, dude, he, Christopher Reeve. He's a he's a playwright who time travels to find a, a special lady. <laughs> a Wrinkle in Time, though. Yeah. That's, no, wait. A Wrinkle in Time? No, it's something with time. I'm sorry. That name a Wrinkle is in Time is the Oprah movie. That was. Uh... I have to rectify my. Hold on. Sorry. Okay. It's, not a, it's something in time. A button in time. A stitch something. in time. Stitch. Stitch hold in on. time saves nine. Somewhere in time. Somewhere in time. Okay. 1980. Yeah. Uh, that'd be hilarious if they did a Wrinkle in Time <laughs> version in 1980 <laughs> with Christopher Reeve. But no, literally, yeah, time travel. Uh, that it's a uh, it takes it takes a little while to to develop, but um, some fantastic elements in that one. Have you seen a Wrinkle in Time? The 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 one that came out last year, 2018. I did not. Okay. Did you? I did, uh, and I'm one of the few people that actually liked it. I, oh, I you liked it. Don't need to go see it again, but I thought it was just like very beautiful visual movie. I, I I got the metaphor, and I'm apparently the only one who also understands like this. That was a movie made by a a, a hippie stoner from the '60s, um, which is why it's just wild and out there. However, that has nothing to do with what we were talking about a minute ago. I was trying to get a Christopher Reeve, Oprah cross reference, and yeah, no, I mean I'm the one that said a wrinkle in time. I brought it up. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to build that bridge there, and I couldn't do it. I'm sorry. I think no. I look. I, I walked this up to it. I, I pushed you there. So that, let's let's not. Let's Don't push me off the bridge, Kai. Don't push me off the bridge. Uh, uh, let's push each other through time. Thank you again for joining us. Check us out, cushionkai.com. Uh, Lots of other uh, delightful properties there. Cushion's uh, reviews. Uh, yeah. Thanks for keeping up. Rate and review if you feel like it. Um, Jeez, uh, yeah, that was uh, I'm Accord. Um, thanks for joining us. Thebosley.net. Sit, Bosley, sit. Exactly. <laughs>